Biggest Bad Boys Podcast presents Matt Michaels People I Don't Hate Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here And today I am joined by I think, personally I feel one of The best young talents out there In the business Um, A legacy, nonetheless In uh, AJZ Andreas John Ziegler, how you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Looking like a giant Teletubby wearing a tablecloth, you know what I mean? But uh, like you said before we got on the air, I think a classy one, you know? So hopefully that's the impression. Otherwise, I don't know what to tell you. I think the shirt's pretty classy or it's just a little bit too cocky, but you know what? We're going to roll with whatever people want to interpret. People are going to love it or hate it either way. So I'm just going to do my thing and we'll keep rolling with it, right? Well, you know, in in being a Ziggler, you have to combine class with cockiness, man. That's... Yeah. I mean, you have to. You can't uh, pray short of that in any certain way. You got to look to the expectation. So, yeah, you got you to gotta have it all. The look, the presentation, the attitude, and class. So... You know, speaking of uh, that presentation and that attitude, when you first sought out to become a wrestler, did you did you feel that you would naturally gravitate towards more of the old school style of wrestling as opposed to just, you know, a lot of the high spots that are being done nowadays? Uh, was it something that consciously, you know, you decided, hey, I want to kind of see myself in this light as opposed to this light? Um, no, I wanted to always have programs, matches, promos, everything that made sense and told a story. Because when you're a kid and you're growing up and you're watching wrestling, what are you truly attracted to, right? If right. you're really attracted to and you'd be watching gymnastics if you're interested in the story no like i'm dead yeah serious. no like, you're if, right if you're interested in professional wrestling for the most part you're interested in in the story the entertainment the aura and yes the athleticism part of that so i don't really like to think i have an old school or new school mentality i think it's more so i have always pursued to have a hybrid of having the athleticism high flying and athletic right components of wrestling just use logically at the right times, you know, to put together something that I think tells a good story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, let me ask you this regarding storytelling. I know that your uncles have done stand up comedy. Um, they are very good at not only telling stories in the ring, but they're, they're natural storytellers. Is that something that has kind of run through, the thread of your life growing up did you did your family have a lot of characters and storytellers um i think for me it's just through learning and studying and listening um you're able to develop the mentality to tell stories and to learn things so i, I guess yeah through growing up and learning and watching how other people do things i was able to take what I've seen and what I've heard and what I've been taught and then put it into what I do. And when we talk about being taught right now, you have a wonderful situation with OVW. Uh, I know 
when I look back at some of the matches that you've had, one that sticks out to me is you got a chance to wrestle in one of my old stomping grounds, which is Gurney, Illinois at Great America, Six Flags Great America. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. First off, uh, you know, when you get to do uh, an event like that where it's kind of a different atmosphere, it's not, you know, enclosed in a arena, it's not television taping. How different yeah. is that fair type atmosphere, even though it's a theme park? Um, and then also, was that your first time getting in the ring with Al Snow? Yeah, it's my first time getting in the ring with Al, but it wasn't my first time meeting him. Right. He had his eye on me for a while. But that was the show where he brought me into OVW and was like, I want to use you down in Kentucky. So that's where I really like got in touch, touch with Al. But I've known Al on and off since I was like 13 years old. Yeah. But that was the first time we wrestled. But as far as uh, the difference between wrestling at like a carnival ask versus TV is that's your question, right? Like the yeah. difference between the two. Yeah. Get it clear. Uh, well, at the time, I wasn't really super experienced with TV um, because I started at a place called Firestar Pro Wrestling in Greensboro, North Carolina. I did some training in Wisconsin when I was younger, but for the most part, I wasn't super used to TV. I mean, LeBron taught us times and camera angles, um, you know, working towards hard cam, all that basic stuff. Right. But at that point in time, I wasn't really used to live TV, you know, the performance of TV and how to draw an audience through the camera. Um, so I really didn't have much of a difference to compare it to, if that makes sense. At sure. that time when I wrestled that, that show, but like in general, when I do shows that aren't televised or recorded or streamed or whatever, um, the biggest difference is just it's pretty much just a free for all for the most part. The promoters like roughly go ten to fifteen, you know, but yeah. if it's good or if it sucks, you might go eight or twenty. Right. And you kind of just throw it out and have fun and go with the flow and you know do what you feel. Um, so that's just the biggest difference I would say is just not working towards a camera, um, catering more towards the house. Um, you know what I mean? Like when you cut a promo on TV, you're not going to have your back to the hard cam talking to the people, but you know, if you're at an indie show, you can just walk around and do all that stuff. And then, uh, you know, not having hit times and work towards cameras and stuff would be the biggest difference between those shows. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it, it's, um, what I love about live performing in general, when you're not worried about camera stuff is the fact that, you get to improvise a lot more. And I think that in your overall development, when you have the opportunity to learn on the fly like that, it gets you in touch with audiences and it gets you in touch with things that you might not have considered doing with your character until you found that little magical moment where something kind of clicks like oh yeah and you find that through the discovery of doing essentially what you know we could term house shows not televised shows yeah um with ovw having a really great tv setup man that i mean just everything about them is just so wonderfully done uh how has it been for you getting the chance to bounce off of guys like uh, Luscious Lawrence, um, you know, uh, great friend of ours, Tony Gunn, um, 
you know, are you are you able to play with those guys a little bit and maybe even get, you know, feedback ideas? Is it a nurturing, helpful environment for you? Yeah, uh, Tony leads classes at OVW, and he was very instrumental in helping me when I started um, at OVW. And we had a program, and he kind of helped baby me through that when I was really new to TV. But, uh, yeah, it's been overall pretty helpful and productive and stuff like that. I haven't talked to Tony as much recently because I haven't been at OVW quite as much recently. Right. But uh, it's been, you know, really positive environment as far as his classes and what he's been able to offer. How has been? How has it been for you? in the broadening out and going to um, other, uh, you know, other organizations now um, starting to get your feet wet in different, um, for lack of a better word, territories, uh, you know, how have you been able to get the reactions you're looking for when you come in um, from those audiences who might not be too familiar with you right now? Yeah, um, I uh, I made my debut at AAW in Chicago on the 24th of April, so this is like a couple weeks ago, not even. Yeah. And at first, nobody there really knew who I was, because um, I haven't been up there very much. And then, uh, I haven't been up in like the Midwest in a little while. But uh, yeah, by the end of the match, they're like, man, bun, and you know, a bunch of, you know, explosive <laughs> words. So uh, yeah, I've been able to manipulate the way people feel about me you know just through performing and sure looking like this <laughs> um okay so you know being a performer myself i know that what i found uh works very well is being able to blur those lines where audiences don't know because they don't think about it they don't realize if you're really a dick or if you're actually a nice guy who's portraying a dick because of the fact that when you use a name that is um you know essentially your your name right you something that um people just identify you with is it kind of just magical to see that melting of the audience in in terms of like that old school feel of boy they want to kill me i know i'm doing something right yeah man i uh like in tennessee there was a bunch of guys who were like trying to punch me <laughs> I'm like, brother it's a work but uh no it's a uh, it's a good thing because a lot of heels nowadays they want to be dare I say, liked. Yeah. So they're not really heels, right? If you're yeah. trying to get yourself over and not the other guy as a heel, are you really doing your job? You know, your job is to create heat so that the baby face can get over yeah. so that we can do business, right? Um, but if I don't get heat and the baby face doesn't get over or I just I get over and he doesn't – or just if I get heat and he doesn't get over, if he gets over and I don't get heat, Right. Well, then we're just at a standstill, you know what I mean? So I think it's magical in the sense that I know that I'll be able to continue to go, go back to that place or, you know, get called to other places. If I'm able to generate heat, then that's that's good business for me and for the promoter and for everybody involved. And so I always think it's magical when I'm able to get heat, which usually isn't very hard for me. <laughs> but, um, 
yeah, because I know that I did good business. It, when you were growing up um, and you started getting the interest into wrestling, who, in your eyes, uh, were guys that you looked at that you really enjoyed watching? Was there a certain, um, I don't want to say style, but was what captivated you um, into wanting to be a performer? Um. Well, I didn't think that if I pursued wrestling, I'd have a haircut like this. But um, that wasn't it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, what captivated me was the storytelling, man. I liked Sean, Cena, Kofi, Dolph Ziggler. Um, I liked those guys because they were able to generate an emotion out of me and tell a story yeah. and then also perform. Yeah. So those were the people and the things and the sequences that – made me want to um, pursue wrestling because for me, it's like I said, it's, it's storytelling, but right. at the same time to go back to what you said, I'm not an actor. So right. All the best characters in wrestling aren't characters. Yep. We're reactor. We take what we have and we amplify it yep. to portray something that we want to, to, draw or captivate whatever audience we want to from that. So yeah. pretty much what I'm saying without taking the longest way to get from my knee to my foot is just our job as wrestlers is to point blank, bring something out of ourselves that is real and then amplify it to reach the people in the back row or at home or in the magazines or whatever magazines really. Well, wow. anyways, <laughs> social media, right? Um, I'm only 22. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Get up, thanks. But yeah, just take what you have and amplify it to reach um, the masses. Because we're not trained actors; we're trained reactors. We, right. we react to what's there in the ring, um, with what uh, with what someone else is presenting to me, a look, a presentation, um, storyline, whatever. We react to what's in front of us. So yeah. Um, for, first off, I got to say that Bill Apter is probably uh, now going to be knocking on your door going, thank you for saving the magazine industry. Um, <laughs> the Dude, I liked magazine. Like, you can't, you can't replicate the fact that when you're a kid and you order the freaking magazines, you get, like, the posters and stuff, yeah. man. Like, I remember I first Kelly Kelly poster when I was a kid, you know, through freaking magazines, you know. But... <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I loved magazines as a kid, you know, I, yeah. I think kind of sucks for the kids that don't get it. Cause you got like free posters and like the worked interviews and the pictures yep. and, uh, autographs and, uh, social media insight, all that stuff. Like I thought that was like really unique and cool. And then like the PWI thing, I still think it's cool. But maybe they should, like, do they sell magazines anymore, like, on apps? Like, can you buy it on an app or anything? Or is it just, like, totally dead? Because I know WWE Mag is done. Yeah, WWE Mag went under. Um, I think Pro Wrestling Illustrated might be the only um, print publication still going. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think the reason why that is the case, and this is just my own guess, is because wrestling fans, they want to watch the wrestling, and then after that, they want to go behind the scenes, right? right. So they're not going to buy a magazine that's work. 
they're going to buy a magazine that leads them behind the scenes, like PWI. Right. You know what I mean? Well, like you or like what yeah. someone reviews it or what some um, person breaks a match. They're not going to buy a magazine to be worked into a storyline. You know what I mean? Right. Like they want to go behind the curtain after the show. So that's probably why that's that's alive still, right? You know, and that's very interesting because I think when when we're kids that's when the magazine meant the most because at that point you're really kind of flipping through it and looking at these pictures and almost you know as you're reading some of these words it just creates your own vision of hearing the person talk about this or that or get hyped about a feud yeah and then as you get older you know now with the internet and stuff you are focusing on trying to get you know more of that backstage information if you're a true fan but i remember um wwe magazine when i was a kid honky tonk man on the cover with the icy belt strapped over his shoulder and I could still vividly recall bedroom window open on a nice summer day with a breeze coming in, looking through that magazine. And it's just like, why should I even think about that? Well, it connected in something with me as a kid. And I think that's, yep. that's like what you're saying. You connected to the, the magazines um, because it gave, yeah. it gave you something a little bit different as a kid that, you know, you can't get from just watching. And I think that, you know, that's kind of cool that, again, you, you got that, you got that chance where now kids are not going to basically have magazines with, I, I would assume that within the next five or years. DVDs, man. Remember buying DVDs? Like when WWE, like go buy John Cena's new DVD. Like yep. they don't do that. I'm like that last I was talking to my girlfriend the other day, like we're both like that last generation where yep. we had like the memory of VCR or like DVD. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like those machines. I don't remember what it was called. I remember I got it in like first, second grade where you like put the CD in it and then like your earbuds are connected to it and you carry it. Um, <laughs> they call like that last generation where you had like the, like it was like super cool, like to go to Blockbuster and buy like the WWE mag- not the magazine, like the WWE pay per view when it came out on right. disc. Right. You know, now you can just watch it on the network or Peacock. <laughs> right. You know, and that's after the show. You know what I mean? It's just it's just a different era. It's cool. It's better. Honestly, it's more accessible. But yeah. there was like that cool feeling of like I found the magazine, I found the DVD, I found the toy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or, like to get it like oh extreme rules is finally on dvd i gotta go get it you know i don't know maybe i'm just a mark <laughs> well i think well i mean i am a mark you know i'm a wrestler right right you don't get into wrestling unless you're a mark right exactly and and you know the the difference is is that going from a fan mark to a professional mark essentially because Let's face it. You're always gonna <laughs> a professional mark. Professional mark. Gonna... Dude, <laughs> I should add that to my profile. Like you know, I was like a professional wrestler. You know, I'll be like professional mark, <laughs> trained by whatever, whatever. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, continue. I mean, to cut no, you off. I no. That before it's funny. So yeah. thank you for that. Professional mark. I am a professional mark. 
I just, I, but you, you can see that in an interview too. It's like, you know, you're, you're cutting a promo and going, Hey, I'm a professional Mark. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. Like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the most professional Mark. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's, you're right. It's, it was always that chase that you would find something that makes you go, Oh, wow. Awesome. You know, and you have yeah, something dude. physical in your hands. Like I found it. Uh, when you look at the path that you took, how uh, supportive or influential was your parents? Were they you know, at all behind the idea of you becoming a wrestler? Um, in the beginning, it was kind of like a, like a why thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, no, they were always supportive of it. They just didn't fully understand what it was, how I was going to do it, and what it meant or required or what I needed to do or who I needed to go see. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of one of those things where it was just like a different world. Like, okay. But yeah, they've always been supportive and been great. You know what I mean? So I can't uh, I can't say anything negative about that. Um in uh high school uh, or even when you were a kid, did you did you gravitate to sports? Um because like you said, obviously you don't consider yourself an actor, so I'm assuming you didn't get into like theater, um, you know, during your high school years, what was, what was the younger and only by a few years now, of course, we're only going back a few years, but the younger self of you, what did you see yourself as? Um, I did a little bit of theater when I was in like, uh, junior high. Sure. And then in junior high, I was a freestyle skier. I placed nationally in that. Cause when I got right. into, the idea of wanting to be a wrestler when I was nine, you know, I was too young for wrestling school. So I was like, I gotta, be, I gotta be athletic, you know? Um, so I got into freestyle skiing and I placed nationally with that. And then in high school, I played a little bit of golf, <laughs> um, forward, forward and findable. Those are my only two requirements with golf. As long as it goes forward and it's findable, we're good. Um, no, but other than that, I was a national level bodybuilder. So I did right. bodybuilding and, skiing and golf and then a little bit of a little bit of theater junior high but other, other than that i didn't really play any like school sports i wasn't like basketball or right football or baseball did a little bit of football when i was younger but um i always just did things that would take me closer to wrestling you know what i mean like sure. i didn't really see any benefit of a basketball right run i'd rather go to the gym and work out and look good for the beach or whatever you know what i mean let, let me ask you about uh the the working out one of the things that is phenomenal is that you are a straight edge bodybuilder um yeah when you when you look at how that path was created for yourself how did you find the right combination for you in your workouts to allow your body to grow and develop without having to do any kind of uh, enhancements, the you know, in the gym. Just simply based upon the fact that I always wanted to look in the mirror and say I did this, and then I'm not gonna lie, when I was doing bodybuilding, there was a time when I thought potentially I would want to use enhancements because I was like, 
to get to the next level because they don't really pay you that much as a professional natural bodybuilder. So like to get to the next level, if I actually want to go further with bodybuilding, when in reality I did it because I wanted to be a better wrestler. But there was a time when I was thinking if I want to pursue bodybuilding, I would have to do enhancements. But I just saw what happened to those guys. And once they get off it, they don't look the same. And it's like a up-down cycle, no yeah. pun intended. Uh, you know, it's an up-down cycle of good, bad, terrible side effects and just all yeah. that stuff. So for me, it's just the cons outweighed the pros. You know what I mean? When you're in deciding things in life, you have to look at things from that perspective. But what works for me is what works for everybody. I mean, if you look at like gymnasts and stuff, they have like incredible arms and stuff. And what do they do? They do like free weights and, you know, body weight exercises, like pull-ups, deadlifts, squats, all that good stuff. So that's the best stuff that will make your muscles grow. Um, a lot of bodybuilders get stuck into the routine of using machines and stuff. But especially as an athlete, I like to have all the tied in muscles working synergistically to not only look good, but perform my best. And that's what I was going to ask you along those lines. Um, you know, I know when I was training uh, at UPW in the early 2000s, uh, you had a lot of guys who had the muscle mass, but unfortunately the muscle mass didn't translate to the agility in the ring because they could barely move <laughs> their arms, you know, this way or that way for you. And that concept of when you look at a gymnast, I love that fact to it. Have you been able to incorporate, let's say yoga or some kind of, uh, you know, exercises or stretches that make sure that even though you're having the mass, the muscles stay limber so that you're not, you know, going on the IL for, you know, three months because you tweaked, you know, something because of the fact that the muscle mass just was not receptive to the bumps that you have to take as a wrestler. Yeah, man, I, uh, I'm really big in stretching and dynamic and mobility and static stuff. So I definitely make sure that before I work out, I do a lot of dynamic stretches. Post-workout, I do some dynamic stretches and some static stretches um, to kind of keep my body mobile and limber and healthy so that I can perform my best. So, yeah, stretching is uh, something that's very important to me, and I do it after my matches and stuff like that. So it's very, very important for me to make sure that I stay limber. Yeah. Um, have when, – when you – you know, look at the people that you've wrestled the most. Have you had one or two guys that either you've enjoyed wrestling for the sense that it's great chemistry or that you've enjoyed wrestling because what you've learned being in the ring with, you know, this person or that person has helped you, um, you know, achieve a little more of the aha moments of, okay, that's right. Okay, this this makes sense to me now. Um, Enzo is a good friend of mine now, and he's always been someone that is very helpful with me in the ring, out of the ring, and with critiquing stuff. So I definitely throw his name in there. And then also a guy that I trained with in North Carolina, his name is TGA Moss. He and I always had great chemistry. And my program with him at OVW is my favorite program I've done there. So that's... Um, two guys that definitely have either had chemistry or I've learned something from or who have 
helped me along the way. So those are my two go-tos, Moss and uh, Eric or Enzo. Enzo, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's funny, too, because I think that Enzo gets a, you know, he got a bad rap. But if you look at him, he's one of those guys that is so fucking smart and so entertaining. And he, you know, it's like he's a fucking knowledge fountain you know the guy is so good he got over you know he got over yeah over like over over you know what i mean i remember being in high school and um everybody in my school had this freaking shirt that's how you know he's over when you reach the average person not just the niche wrestling fan right. you know the one who's gonna write a report or do a podcast or yeah. watch the backstage shows like if you can attract the guy who's just like, oh, that wrestling thing. Did you see that guy who did A, B, and C? That's when you know you won. You know what I mean? That's right. why I dress the way I do, look the way I do, talk the way I do. Because for me, it's like, how can I reach the average person? Well, the average person is probably going to think that this looks ridiculous, so they're going to remember it. Right. You know, They're probably going to remember this shirt. They're going to remember how I present myself more than anything I do in that ring. And that's exactly what Eric did. He went out there. He wore his hair sometimes similar to this. Right. He literally just ran out of the curtain and didn't care if he fell flat on his back. You know what I mean? He was just being extremely larger than life yeah. to captivate an audience and uh, do things. He wore Jordans. Why did he wear Jordans? Because that's beyond the wrestling. She wasn't going to wear boots and tights because that right. wasn't him. That's right. not what he wanted to do. And by wearing Jordans, he was able to attract a whole different group, and he was able to get his own shoe out of it. So I guess that's a win. You know? Same thing with Cena. You know, yeah. look at what Cena did. Yeah, and John, it's it, what's interesting too is John when he was, you know, twenty three or so um, at UPW, he was always about the next step in terms of not only your in-ring presentation, but your branding. The guy knew that this was very important and was very smart early. And I think you are an embodiment of that as well. I think that if you look at the maturity that you have in that sense of, hey, if I do this, that, and the other, people will remember me. That is something that I think what 80% 85% of young wrestlers don't understand and yeah. you, you got a great grasp on it, it have you always been I, I know you said you know from nine years old looking forward but have you always been um, that much more mature in the sense of understanding you have a goal you have a passion and this is what I need to do to be successful at that job. Yeah. Yeah. That was always me. But if I didn't care about it, my biggest fault as a kid, I've gotten better at now. If I didn't care about it, I didn't, I didn't try. You know what I mean? Like I remember I didn't care about math as a kid. So I just <laughs> failed. You know? But then once I got to college, I started getting good grades and passing and all that good stuff. But um, yeah. And when I was younger, that was, if I wanted to do something, like I had my own backyard federation, I write storylines, create outfits, you know, uh, 
who's going to go over. Trust me, I'm a three-time champion. Um, I was tight with the promoter. Um, you know, getting the weapons or the ring or coordinating who's there. Like, I was all about it. But then if it was like doing a math homework, I would be like, ah, you know, yeah. I'd skip all the steps to get a good grade. So, I mean, I think that's that's something that was good about me is if I cared, I'd do everything I could. But if I didn't care, I wasn't going to do very much for it. Even if it was beneficial to me, um, I didn't really care. But as I got older and went to college, I started to be like, oh, well, this costs money to be doing this. So I should probably put in some effort, you know. Um, so, yeah. No, it's it's a great perspective, and I like you know, I, a lot of us can relate to the fact that if you're learning, really, what it comes down to is you want to learn more about the things you're passionate about. How much of a wrestling historian would you consider yourself through? the things you've seen and watched and, and read and listened to over the years? Um, I don't know if you'd call me a historian because I feel like that's a pretty... It's a specific... I, I know, I know. Pretty professional term, right. but I think I have a very good grasp of the people who came before me. You know, I watch a lot of the old old school stuff because those are the guys that really knew how to get over without a script, which is the best right. way to get over from what I've learned from others and um, how they did it and how they were able to draw. You know what I mean? Cause that's what it was about back then. It was right. all about who could draw, who could put the most butts in seats because at the end of the day, that's truly what mattered. Right. So I try to watch a lot of the old school stuff because they were more focused on how people are in the house, not what moves am I going to do tonight? Right. So I try to watch all that stuff because they had a better grasp on how should I make a living doing this versus how can I appease the guys on the internet to like me. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there one piece of advice that sticks out to you that you've received from anyone that you've encountered that you have listened to and found that, you know what, if you're a young wrestler – Here's a piece of advice. Uh, you can't screw up. You can't screw up. I think the biggest, at least for me, like, you know, like when you care, you want to do well. Yeah. But a lot of times wrestling is one of those things. There's only one take and you're so afraid of <laughs> screwing up. And in reality, you can't screw up. Right. If you stumble over your words, how did the rock come up with the eyebrow? He forgot what he was going to say. He did his eyebrow and he moved forward. Yep. You know, you, you can't screw up. You just can only screw up if you let people know that you screwed up. So just don't allow yourself to feel like you screwed up and just keep rolling with it. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think that's I think that's the biggest thing. And some people are so worried about screwing up that they are just so focused on what they're going to do next in their match. And they forget about listening and feeling and going with what's there. So I think the biggest thing that I could offer advice to is just, um, you know, you can't screw up. And then you, you know, you're able to feel what's going on more. So I'd, I'd go with that. Um, you know, one of the, I, I guess, um, metaphors uh, that I've always learned, been taught is 
when you're performing, whether it be as a musician, an actor, a wrestler, one of the things that you're really doing is you're playing catch with the other person or persons that you're working with because you take something now you're giving to them as soon as they receive it they got to give it back to you and that's how the inner work is it's not acting but it is reaction yep yeah full circle there you go that, i mean that's yep. just the way it is man you play off each other work with each other go with each other you know it's chemistry how do you have chemistry to react so yep. it's it's reacting you know that's what wrestling is and it's it's beautiful that you can recognize this um in, in in such an early phase of your career because that will help you climb that mountain um because it's it's something that a lot of kids don't unlock in their head until you know they're 28 29 years old if you had a chance to work a program with anyone who's out there right now who do you think would match up the best in terms of your style going uh you know opposite of of their style and having that kind of uh play that you guys you know could could have a good time with opposite of my style um i don't know opposite Maybe someone like Lance Archer or something. I'm not sure. sure, but if it's if it's similar, I think MJ, MJF and I could do something cool. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I, I think my buddies Griff Garrison and Brian Pillen Jr. I think they're doing something really cool at the Varsity Blonde. So I think I could kind of work with them um, on the opposite side as well as yeah. like a heel version of whatever they're doing. Because um, I feel like we could contrast and you know show similarities and draw some good storytelling with that but right. those are some names off the top of my head that i think i could do something cool with maybe brian cage you know um i think i think maybe roman oh, i think a lot of those guys are people that i could that's a pretty broad yeah. smorbid board that's some people off the top of my head that i think i could do something cool with you know how much maybe uh, Oxley. yeah yeah um, how much of an influence to you was a guy like Chris Jericho, especially when you go back and you look at some of that early stuff in terms of his, you know, his style, his look, you have a lot of those same similar characteristics of a young Chris Jericho mixed in with a guy like MJF. I mean, you're you're basically a hip version of what Jericho was, you know, 20 years ago. That's funny you say that. I uh, I've recently been able to text and call with Jericho a little bit, and he he's been very positive about my work. And uh, I don't know if it's because we have similarities or whatever, but he's he's always been he's he's been cool for the limited time that I've known him and i think that's funny that you you say that because i think we do have some similarities as well and uh yeah i he's been obviously instrumental in the way that i've looked at wrestling because he, he's one of those guys that can do it all yeah. and not only that he's been able to 
reinvents himself so many times. I, you know, there's guys, the best guys in wrestling are the guys that can continuously reinvent what they're doing so it doesn't become stale. Yep. You're like, well, then what about the Undertaker? He's been doing the same thing. No, he hasn't, dog. Remember when he was doing the last ride thing? Or yep. uh, the, the, what was it? The, the, the American bad, yeah. badass. Yeah. That, that character, he evolves and changes the times. And there's nobody, I think, dare I say, nobody in history who's done it better than Chris, in my opinion. No, I agree. So. I agree 100%. And that's, you know, I. what's cool is, you know, you look at the opportunities that you're going to have over just the next five years, let alone your career. And I think that having that type of support from a guy like Chris, it's just so valuable in terms of, you know, not if he puts you over publicly at all, but more so being honest with you. Yeah. You- yeah. I mean, he, he, he's a good dude, man. He took yeah. time to watch some stuff and um, he, he's, he's just, he's a good dude, man. He, uh, he said it all looked good. All look crisp. So, you know what, if Chris Jericho likes my stuff, <laughs> I'm a professional Mark. I'll take it. <laughs> dude. Seriously, after after this uh, after we get done recording, get on Pro Wrestling Tees, lock that up, trademark it because if you get a shirt that says Professional Mark, you'd be fucking selling T-shirts until tomorrow, brother. <laughs> hey man, I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be opposed to being the leader of the Professional Marks because hey. <laughs> if you ain't a mark, then what are you doing in wrestling, right? It's not a bad thing. People say no. like it's a bad thing. Like it just means you love wrestling, right? Man, like oh, you're a mark. Well, yeah, I am. I like this. Otherwise, I wouldn't be. Oh, I love this. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it, right? Like, right? It's kind of a stupid thing, right? you know. <laughs> you're a mark. Oh wow, I'm a fan of wrestling. You know, if I wasn't, I wouldn't be here, right? So, you know, anything that says you have passion for it, right? Right. Um. And speaking of... Hey, just to tell you real quick, I'm running on 6%, so I will, uh, if, if we're going to roll a bit longer, I'll get my charger and plug it in, um, whatnot, but just in case, okay. I don't know how much how much longer you wanted to go, I don't care. I'm totally cool with rolling however long you want. I'm just saying, um, I'm going to have to grab my charger if we do plan to go a little bit longer. All right, let's, uh, let's try getting uh, a little wrap-up here, because we're at, you know, roughly uh, 42 minutes or so. Um, when you look at uh, your experiences, you've been traveling around a little bit now. You've come to Vegas. Um, how have you enjoyed working for uh, Joe DeFalco and uh, the boys here at FSW? Uh, he was cool, man. He was uh, he was nice to me. I only wrestled for him once, but I wrestled in his building in February. Right. But yeah, he was cool, man. I uh, I was last at the FSW arena in February. I wrestled Davari. Right, which is a match I'm proud of, and also Alex Hammerstone. So, those are two matches I'm proud of, and both really cool guys. And I wrestled uh, Graves in November when I was there. So, it's a good place, man. I haven't been able to get the full taste of Vegas because of the COVID deal, but uh, it's been pretty cool from every time I've been there. You know what I mean? I can't complain. Um, I just actually got done recording with Joe, and he has nothing but good words about you and your, you know, potential. Um, 
and one of the things that uh, we kind of snickered at and laughed at is, man, wouldn't it be a great tag team if AJZ ended up with class? But yeah, also, Alex, I keep yeah. telling <laughs> Yeah, dude. Like we put, he has more followers than me. So when he put it out, someone was like, a "Bunch of people were but like, when you and your brother choose the same video game character, because <laughs> like when I, um, you know, get more angry in my match, whatever you want to say, change gears. Yeah, I always pull out my hair, and then we both had like the blonde hair laying down. And I think we were both. Uh, he was wearing like black jeans or whatever, but like we right. looked oddly similar for a few moments and people are like oh so when you and your brother can't decide on who's going to be what character in the video games <laughs> so yeah i think we do good i think we do well as a tag team or um you know like edge had the edge heads thing i could be like his little uh his little schmuck if he ever turned heel or baby face i could just be out there and you know captivating some kind of crazy entertainment to conflict with his bravado character. So I think, I think we could do some cool stuff. I, I love that idea. That's, you know, and it, it, what I like too, is that the fact you can identify when you work with a guy like that, that, Hey, there's something there with him. Um, and if he embraces me, that means there's something there with me as well. Um, and I think that that's very important because I think one of the things that people forget is that when you're young, they mistake uh, cockiness. You know, they use this just arrogance. But you have it right because you have the confidence in yourself and you have the ego that you have to have to make yourself a star. And it's if you don't believe in yourself, who will? And if you don't believe in yourself, no one's going to buy tickets to see you because you're not believable. Exactly, exactly, uh, brother. We'll keep it wrapped up uh, at this point. Um, you know, just to uh, get you, you know, on the the rest of your day. Uh, but we're definitely going to have to uh, catch up um, with you down the line, and especially if you, uh, absolutely, yeah, if you do get a chance, absolutely. if you get a chance to, you know, wrestle out here on the West Coast, uh, you know. We'll do anything we can to help, uh, you know, promote you. And also, if you need anything, you can always let us know. Um, for fans, what uh, is the social media uh, handles that they can find you at? Uh, Instagram, AJZiggy1818, AJZIGGY1818. Facebook like page, Team AJZ. YouTube, Andreas Ziegler, A-N-D-R-E-A-S-Z-I-E-G-L-E-R. And you can just type in AJZ on YouTube as well. And then also just for promoters and inquiries and uh, acting opportunities, whatever, you can reach my email, which is of- <coughs> excuse me, official, O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L-E-H-W at gmail.com. That's official, E-H-W at gmail.com. Um, yeah, but thank you for having me on your show, man. It was a pleasure. Great questions. Not the same routine we kind of just flowed with it and i liked it we were reacting you know so perfect (laughs) well no i appreciate it man um like i said one of the things the other day i just happened to write down i was having to write down a note and i flipped over a a card i had here and i looked down and the first thing it says is look up ajz and it's like 
I've had my eye on wanting to talk to you for a while because of the fact that I think what you're doing is the right thing. And that if, uh, you know, if kids out there who are 14 now see what you're doing at 22, man, the next generation that you're going to have that you can mentor and actually wrestle in the ring, it's just going to be phenomenal, you know, at the point where you can give back as well. So keep growing, brother. I, I just love what you're doing, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All love and support and, you know, genuine people. That's what it's about, you know. So I appreciate you reaching out about the podcast. And I'm glad I was able to come on and you're able to do something different and unique and talk about all things wrestling because we're professional marks, right? Professional marks, man. That's 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 what the love is, man. And for anyone listening, thank you for watching and listening. And uh, Absolutely. And consider yourselves professional marks as well because we all love the same thing, and that's pro wrestling. Absolutely. And we'll end it right there. Thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate all of you. All right, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Biggest bad boys of podcasting.